Hello and welcome to episode 65 of Owen the Saints podcast, your podcast dedicated to Southampton Football Club. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me is my co-host, Jack Serlis. Jack, how are you doing? I've been better, mate. I've been better. How come? Well, line of duty let me down last night. Absolute awful ending to a brilliant series. And I had a couple bets on the West Ham game tonight, which was so, so close to coming in and just let me down. I needed that. needed a bit of a, a boost. Antonio Treble. <laughs> no, I needed um, an equaliser. And J-Rod yeah. had a huge chance, huge chance. I mean, West Ham deserved the win, but J-Rod spinning left foot mm. just has to bury it. And that would have been a lovely little 65 quid. But no, not, not meant to be. Onwards and upwards. Um, Hopefully. One day later than planned this week. We usually have a new pod every Monday, but it's Tuesday this week. Bank holiday in the UK. So Jack was at Box Park Croydon. And I was returning from a work trip to Fort Lauderdale. More similarities between those two places than you'd think, actually. Um, bit of a box park vibe down at the beachfront in Fort Lauderdale. Um, but is it probably, really? Yeah, honestly, it is. It's like a party. It was just pints everywhere. Um, well, pints and hard seltzers, because they're, they're the um, all the rage in the US at the moment. But apologies to those of you, and by that I mean one of you, who were banging down the door on Monday for your <laughs> weekly Owen the Saints podcast. Quite a bit to discuss today, starting obviously with the game that feels like a long time ago now on Friday night at St Mary's. A little bit sick of the sight of Leicester City, but what could have been an ugly night actually turned out to be not too bad. A battling point against the Foxes after going down to 10 men inside 10 minutes. Yes, it was more points dropped from winning positions, but I think it's safe to say that was a performance that every Saints fan wanted to see from these players and certainly a performance that Ralph needed to see. There is only one place to start and that's the red card. I honestly could not believe it when referee Robert Jones, and by the way, who on earth is Robert Jones, pulled out the red card, not just because, in my opinion, incredibly, incredibly harsh on Yannick Vestergaard, but also just for narrative purposes. I mean, a red card inside 10 minutes against Leicester City. Come on, that's a joke. It is a joke. When I when that happened, I honestly considered turning off the TV. I wasn't ready to ruin my Friday night um, like we did back in 2019. But fair play to the lads. They did. They dug in. We got the point. But on that red card, we we play that ball so often. We play, yeah. it's always it's always the it's usually the midfielder Ward Prowse or Diallo or Romeo drops back into that left centre back position, plays it across to Vestergaard, who takes one touch out of his feet and switches it to to Walker Peters and we nearly well we scored didn't we in the first minute or two with Walker Peters exactly that he was offside um, but yeah it was just a loose touch from Vestergaard wasn't it and he was always stretching for it but when you get that much of the ball I understand I, I play football and you hear that so many times where players go I got the ball ref I got the ball like that kind of mm-hmm. vindicates the full challenge and you can do anything after that which is obviously not the case like I can win the ball and clatter someone afterwards and I should you know be it should be a foul against me. However, I, I don't think that was a red card. I think just reading reading after the game, they were saying that it was it was given because he was denying a clear goal scoring opportunity. So, I think from the way I read that is that they're saying that Vardy's going to get the ball mm-hmm. in between McCarthy. Do you know what I mean? So they're yeah. they're, they're, yeah. Bas- they're basically saying that fair enough, Vestergaard got the ball. They're not giving it for a high studs up on the leg. They're giving it because. They think the Vestergaard have got the ball, but he's not kicked it far away enough and Vardy's going to nick it. I don't think you can say that. You can't say that. 
Yeah, that's not 100% the case. I can't, I can't see how you could say that either as a referee or on VAR with 100% confidence. John Moss on VAR. By the way, John Moss on VAR, which again is another absolute joke. Um, but you can't say that with 100% confidence that Jamie Vardy is going to get, the, going to get there. Like, no. what am I missing? Honestly, it's just baffling, baffling that these referees make these decisions every week. Fine, fair enough, you get the odd one wrong. And then not only that, but VAR makes the wrong decision every single time. That's what it feels like anyway. When it comes to these subjective calls and we're getting red cards overturned left, right and centre. Saints have already had one overturned this season with Bednarak. Um, West Ham had one overturned with Thomas Suchek. Uh, I don't know if we've heard anything yet on this one, but I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely one that should be considered to be overturned because there's no way in hell that you can say that that was 100% a denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. McCarthy's right there. Yeah. He's sweeping up. He's right there. So, I mean, just absolute, absolute nonsense that John Moss didn't step in there and and correct what was an awful, awful decision. I mean, we've we've seen that from Vestergaard a few times where he's just a little bit sloppy with his touch. Obviously, fantastic on the ball. Fantastic range of passing from centre-back. But I even think back to those days when he first broke into the team. And I think there was one game in particular... Um, was it Palace, I think, where he just slipped. It might have been, yeah. it might have even been earlier than that, actually, um, in his first season. And he just slipped and he let in, I can't remember exactly who it was, but it was a golden opportunity. And he, he does just that little lapse in concentration can happen when we play this style of football. And it cost us, ultimately. I mean, the, the prospect of playing 81 minutes with 10 men against Leicester City We've seen that story before, but full credit to the players because what shift they put in. So what? how much do you think uh, it was a case of lessons learned from previous uh, examples of going down to 10 men? Or, or, or how much do you think it was just a kind of gritty performance from the players and it wasn't necessarily anything Ralph did tactically um, different from previous 9-0, 10 men games, but it was just the players putting in a real shift? I think just on that Vestergaard one, the one that I, um, the example that I can remember, I think it was Palace and he, and he completely slipped and it was Cenk Tosin, luckily, that got put through and, yes, and blazed it over. Yes, that's the one. Cenk Tosin, yeah. Couldn't have wished for a better, for a worse striker to go through. Yeah. Um, but just on the performance in general, I think it's, you have to give credit to the manager. I think it is lessons learned. We, we, we've ripped into him on previous podcasts because it does look like we haven't learned any lessons and we've wired open against these teams and we seem to be the easiest opposition ever against teams that are struggling for a bit of form because we don't seem to have a, a solid game plan but I think it, you have to give credit to the manager because he, he made some tactical tweaks um, mm. I thought Salisu was absolutely fantastic I think I need to see more of him in these remaining five games because it, yeah, I thought he won every single challenge, um, every single 50-50, he was dominant, mm-hmm. um, everything that you could ask. I thought Jack Stevens, another one where, you know, has his limitations, but we ask for a bit of fight on the pitch. He's someone that does does seem to bring that, whether it's good or bad. He get, you know, he seems to get booked, he gets red cards here and there. However, we do miss a little bit of steel in that centre-back position. He's definitely not the answer, but maybe he did you know, help contribute to a more resolute performance overall. Um, 
but yeah, we just weren't as open. We weren't as open. Obviously, Leicester were creating chances. They were, you know, should have should have scored in the second half. Again, Vardy had a few chances and Madison had a few from the edge of the box. But with 10 men, that is the kind of performance that you want to see. That's the one that you hope to see where you think you, you just limit the chances that Leicester have. Um, so, yeah, I think massive credit to, to Ralph and the way that the boys applied themselves, definitely. Just on a random tangent, James Madison, I don't see it. Just don't see, don't see the the hype at all with James Madison. Not well, I mean, we were, we were... one hundred. Like, he's he's not shite, but he's not good. He's not a good player, and the prospect of him going to a top top team, I just I just don't see it. He's not. It's just wasteful. Yeah, I mean, well, he had that spell I think last season where he was in a brilliant bit of form, but we were close to signing him, weren't we? Before we were, Leicester came in, yeah, very close to signing him. Yeah. Um, I remember. Do I remember? I was pretty disappointed because I think he was he was tearing up at Norwich. I think it was at the time. Um, but yeah, he's definitely not on the same level as the creative midfielders that England have at their disposal. That's where and, I was going, really, on the England chat. Not necessarily for us. Obviously, we would love to have him at St Mary's, but just in terms of the names that he gets mentioned with, yeah, the options that England have in that position. And obviously, with the Euros coming up, we look at what Phil Foden's doing for Man City in the Champions League um, and at the top of the Premier League. Um, even Jack Grealish, and you know, he's missed a lot of time, but I'd much rather watch him. I'd much rather have him in that in that position. Mason Mount, I think they're all players that are well ahead of James Madison. It's just a show pony is the is the yeah. way that I would describe him. Um, and capable of the odd bit of brilliance, but I don't see it consistently from him. Yeah, he's anyway. got a world in him. He's a great striker with the ball, but he's definitely not consistent enough. So we obviously went down to ten men and. Nathan Teller, who had that massive opportunity early on after Walker Peters' goal was disallowed, scuffed it a little bit. He just needs that goal, doesn't he? Just, just his his game is looking really good across the board. It's just that he just needs that goal. Yeah, it was really disappointing in that because it was that was the Southampton that we loved to see, like just pressing from the front. I think it was yeah. Minamino that nicked it and, and Shea Adams that took the ball off him and got his head up perfectly. Shea Adams sometimes, that's his limitation where he makes the wrong decision, but that was perfect. Laying it across on a plate to tell her, that's where you need a clean strike of the ball, but he obviously didn't didn't connect with it. And yeah, I agree with you. I think he's, he's been really, really promising in, in the cameos that he's had in a Saints shirt and he definitely deserved that's, you know, more, more minutes on the pitch. But yeah, this needs that one goal just to scuff in the bottom corner or something. And you think that a lot of confidence would come in front of goal. So you've already touched on it. Um, Mohamed Salasi was the one that came on for Teller. You said that you want to see more of him between now and the end of the season. Obviously, unless Vestergaard gets overturned, he's looking at a ban. So most likely to be Salasu and Bednarak. But if... Vestergaard's band does get overturned I think our first choice pairing should be Vestergaard and Salasu do you agree with that? I think so yeah I think so I think Bednarak's on a not the best run of form and I think we called for that a few weeks ago didn't we to see them too um, I'm mm-hmm. not too sure about Ryan Bertrand's fitness at the moment so that might yeah. that might affect things and hopefully I don't want to see you know, Salasu Finland left back but if if Ryan Bertrand's back fit and Vestergaard doesn't have his um, ban overturned it's got to be Bednarak and Salasu at the centre-backs yeah. for sure because that's another thing really I mean I think credit to Ralph because he did make changes where in the past when we've been in these positions a man down we've, we've just kind of 
stuck with the plan, even though we've got one less player and we've been absolutely ripped apart as a result. So he did change it. He did bring on Salasu and that did help us. Um, the team was missing key players, experienced players as well, players that we on this podcast have questioned before a little bit in terms of their, not professionalism, but when things are going wrong, are they the experienced players that step up and grab the game or grab teammates by the scruff of the neck and say, look, we need to dig in here. And I'm mainly talking about Ryan Bertrand, but also Danny Ings. I think there's a conversation to be had there as well. We had Minamino in the team, Che Adams in the team, Nathan Teller into the substitution. And Jack Stevens, as you, as you mentioned, someone that did show a bit of fight and did show a bit of grit. Ryan Bertrand and Danny Ings, injured, contract situations. Obviously, Danny Ings is our best player, but do you see a future without him next season? Huge question. Absolutely massive question. I think his injury record kind of makes me feel more confident that he's going to be a Saints player because I think clubs are going to be a bit more hesitant in tying down a player that's had three massive injury spells this season. Um, if you asked me this last season, I'd say we'd be relegated with the lowest points tally um, the Premier League's ever seen with his, without Danny Ings. But yeah, I, I, I'm starting to become more and more confident that he will sign a deal. Um, and... I think it kind of suits both parties. We need a, we obviously need a striker. He's apps on his days, absolutely top quality. But I think he's definitely not shown enough this season because of his injuries um, to warrant a big move. So unless unless a club do come in for him, and I'm sure people will be interested. I just think the injury record is a massive red flag on his on his record at the moment. What do you think? Yeah, I think the in, I think I think the point that you just made there in terms of being good a decision that works for both parties now, considering the circumstances. I think Danny was keeping his options open, understandably so, but unfortunately for him, injuries at bad times have cost him uh, the season, parts of the season, and his chance of shining at the Euros, um, or at least being part of Gareth Southgate's squad. I think that's gone now. And he'll probably take the summer and I don't think there'll be much interest there and he'll ultimately sign a contract. I just thought it was interesting that this team that we did put out against Leicester, there was obviously big questions being asked in that hour between kickoff when that team came out and the game kicked off. And then that only grew when we went down to 10 men. And you're really thinking now, oh my God, this could be a repeat of of, yeah. of Leicester and of United but credit to the players because some of these fringe players that have been poor or have not even really featured put in a put in a really strong display and ultimately we went one nil up James Ward-Prowse I don't think any complaints from Ian Acho on the handball decision but just wanted to touch on Ward-Prowse because obviously a skipper and someone else that we've questioned that in these moments in these Leicester games in these United games is he really leading by example, is he really grabbing these players and telling them what to do, where to be? Um, because it doesn't really, it hasn't really seemed to be the case. But he did stick away the penalty very, very nicely. Directly involved now in 14 goals in the Premier League this season. That's eight goals, six assists. The most by a Saints midfielder in a single season since Tadic in 2016. So he is for sure stepped up in terms of his contributions whether it be goals and assists and it was more of a captain's performance on Friday wasn't it than, than what we've seen in the past yeah no I thought he was brilliant in midfield and 
sometimes I feel like he's it's difficult to explain but I feel like some captains are very comfortable in that role because they're really comfortable in their own positioning so they can you know expend some energy in organising the, the team and geeing other players up but I feel like War Prowse I don't think he's at that level yet where he's a, a very very comfortable he's, I feel like he's got so much on in terms of his own game he's got so much to concentrate on personally so much ground to cover so much match. ground to cover do you know what I mean he's not a defender he's not a defensive midfielder that sits in there and pulls players in he's literally bombing up and down and I know it's not really an excuse but I feel like that does play a part in the fact that he's you know not barking orders around the pitch but um, he's obviously on penalties I don't know about you but I'm never confident with him stepping no. up I'm never confident no. I'm, when 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 Walprow steps up the penalty when he's got a free kick I'm thinking he's going to put it top bins but a penalty he scored three this season obviously Leicester Man mm-hmm. City and Sheffield United he missed that one against West Brom last season I think these are just the ones that stick in my head last season he missed that one against Everton away mm-hmm. and he also missed one against Arsenal but which he scored the rebound but there's, there's three instances there in the last last season and a half where he Mm -hmm. has you know what he's missed from the spot and I think Danny Ings is probably the main one that would take these these penalties but again he's a a player that's he's missed a few in the past so I think we were blessed weren't we with Ricky when he was just putting these when he was just putting these past the keeper no no giving him no chance so I think it's just it's an interesting one when they're both fit fit I'm not 100% confident that even we're going to stick it past the keeper who would you have Danny or Danny or James. Probably, probably, probably Danny Ings. Um, yeah. Just what you just said there about better, better from free kicks than he is from penalties. That I've seen also mentioned about Lionel Messi. So comparison between Wal Prowse and Messi there for sure. Two players that are actually better, better from outside the area mm. than they are from from twelve yards. Um, <laughs> but they obviously answered pretty quickly, and you go one 0 up, and it's a case of okay absolutely incredible how long can we hang on now and can we and can we see the game out I mean I think it's 30 29 minutes 30 minutes left at that point and then they equalise within about 7 or 8 and it's the defending had been so good as a unit under immense pressure for so long but that goal was poor defending the ball in the inside right position for Ian Acho a good cross in but Johnny Evans too much time too much space bang smack in the middle of the penalty in the middle of the six yard box and he's not going to miss that so what was your thoughts on the defending overall and then that particular that particular goal because that was disappointing Leicester scored just once from 22 shots so overall I think we did a very good job it was just that one was just a lapse in concentration yeah overall I thought the defending was was quality you your back's to the wall, you're not having much of the ball, you need to be defensively organised and I thought we showed everything there on that side of it. The goal, I mean, you can be disappointed but I do just think those kind of goals happen. It's, it's You'd hope the centre-backs are going to be tied to Johnny Evans but we're under immense pressure like you said and it was just, a, it was a brilliant ball for me in Nacho, wasn't it? Just to put it right on mm-hmm. a plate for him and disappointing defending but when you're, when you're playing 90 minutes or 80 minutes with 10 men, to, to be 100% concentrated at all points is difficult. And I think to have that one lapse in concentration, I thought that was always going to come. We'd have to ride our luck massively not to have that kind of moment. Um, it was just a shame that it was six yards out and such an easy header. Um, I thought McCarthy in general, I mean, I don't think he could have claimed that cross, but I thought in general he had a very, very good game. Don't know about you. Yeah, he did. I think it was... Um... He's 
made a case, obviously, to keep the jersey based on that. We have been going back and forth between him and Forster. Yeah, same, same. I hate it. And and I think really we've just seen that Forster had an opportunity, but we the limitations that we knew about Fraser Forster haven't changed. And that's ultimately, I think, why Alex McCarthy is the better bet long-term because he is genuinely, I've said it so many times, but he's genuinely one of the best shot stoppers in the Premier League. And I think Forster obviously has strengths as well, but I don't think he has a strength that's quite as good as Alex McCarthy's and they both obviously have limitations when it comes to the ball at their feet and distribution. Um, but some of the saves that we saw, particularly, we're at one all now, last five, last 10 minutes, that save of his feet from Jamie Vardy was just absolutely top, 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 to borrow a phrase from Jamie Redknapp, top, top draw. It was, I think it was a couple of minutes before that they did swing a ball back post and Walker Peters incredible bit of defending f- threw himself into the post and flicked it out for a corner and then it was just three minutes later when the ball came out to Vardy I mean Walker Peters sold himself but I mean I think he just he just thought he needs to get his body in front of it and that was classic Vardy just cutting in on his right foot and you think at that point you just think goal you think goal and I think we got a bit lucky that it's not a f- you know, fire in Jamie Vardy and he's, he just decided to put his foot through it. But that was quality from McCarthy, just to stand up tall and get his foot onto that shot. And yeah, that was a huge, huge save, wasn't it? They also that's had it, the, the Ndidi chance a few minutes later, which I think was, was huge. It came from that left-hand side. They seemed to be overloading us on that left-hand side. And luckily it fell, fell to Ndidi. He doesn't get on the course it too much, but that was huge. He just anywhere anywhere in the goal and that's, that's, that's mm. going in. He just dragged it. Yeah, but I mean, just overall, really, really positive to see that out for 80 minutes. I mean, the to, to be able to do that against a team that's chasing Champions League qualification and, and, and is all, all but set to be in the Champions League next season is a tremendous achievement. Um, just thought it was funny that Vestergaard's red card was the second quickest sending off in the Premier League this season, the quickest obviously being... Jankovic is at Old Trafford. So we don't make things easy on ourselves. Uh, it'd be quite nice, wouldn't it, to play against a team, for, for, to be on the on the reverse and to play against a team for 89 minutes with 10 men. But uh, it only seems to be the case that we get the red cards. To be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to Newcastle game. Good point. What was that? That was about 40 minutes. That was that was quite a long time and we were absolutely shite. So We were awful. That's a good point. Maybe I, think, maybe I, I think, should be careful what I wish for. I think they even went down to nine men and we still they looked did, like we were going to concede. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Up next for us is a trip to Anfield on Saturday. Uh, evening kickoff at 8.15. What do you want to see from us at Anfield? And obviously that's not the fortress that it was in previous, that has been in previous seasons. I think Newcastle being the most recent team to go there and get something. So what do you want to see from Saints and from Ralph's team selection at Anfield? I want to see us go for them. I want to see us put them under pressure. I want to see us take risks. I think we've got really lucky with some of the some of the results this weekend in terms of the relegation zone. We do have a little bit of breathing space down there and I think we can take a bit more risks. I think Shea Adams has to start up front, definitely. I'd like to see... Um, Nathan Teller get another run out I think Nathan Redmond's just again ineffective um, he's, he's definitely his form has improved but I think it is time to maybe to play um, 
Nathan Teller more now and I think it was I kind of wanted Redmond to come off instead of Teller in that game on Friday night I think mm-hmm. Salasu has to start depending you know, regardless of whether the appeal gets overturned or not I think he has to start um, I think we just have to go for them they've got two centre-backs there I'm not sure if they've, anyone will be returning for fitness but two centre-backs and whether it be Quebec or whether it be Phillips or whether it be one of the centre midfielders dropping in there where you just such a huge opportunity to get at them um, mm-hmm obviously be difficult we seem to we don't seem to be getting get the best results at when we go away to Anfield um, opportunity to do the league double over them though huge opportunity massive um, opportunity that was probably the last game where we can actually look back on and be like wow like that was an outstanding performance yeah that was huge I did a 5k run after that didn't I was so buzzing I remember time. I remember that was the uh yeah, and that was the start of a run of what, 12 losses from 15? So maybe you need to do a 10K run just to maybe like end the hoodoo? I think I might actually have to. So um, yeah. I'll get back to you on that one. Check my Strava later. Okay. Um, but yeah, what, what about you? Are you um, confident we could get something? You've got to be, considering the form that they're, they're in. And we go there with nothing to lose really we've just put in a good performance I think we've got players that should be looking to impress between now and the end of the season and I'd like to see them give the I'd like to see them given the opportunity to do that Um, Minamino will be ineligible so that does open up a spot from Friday's game and and as you said I would agree I'd like to see Nathan Teller keep his place and potentially there may be an option still in there for Redmond, but I'd certainly like to see Chad Adams start. And obviously, you made you made the case for Salasu. We absolutely need to see him in his best position between now and the end of the season so we can start making plans for next season. Because as mentioned, we have lots of players, lots of our experienced high-earning players that will be out of contract at the end of next season. So this is the summer when we need to make decisions on them. Um, and obviously, Ryan Bertrand, even earlier, will need to make a decision on him. So yeah. I think big opportunities for some of some fringe players and some players that impressed on Friday that hopefully hopefully get the opportunity to continue at Anfield. Um, Definitely, yeah, I think that, a couple a couple more bits of positive news. We've got the obviously the draw on Friday. I saw Rome, mm-hmm. Romeo's back in training which is big. I think people kind of him off for the season, but I think he might feature in the last five games, hopefully, with a better team when he's playing in centre mid across alongside James Ward-Prowse. And also Michael Obafemi. I saw he played for Saints B team on Sunday. Unsurprisingly mm-hmm. lost 5-0 to Everton. Absolute shambolic. What is going wrong with? What is going on, seriously, with our B team and academy sides? Yeah, it's, it's actually embarrassing. We just get spanked every single week. Um but Oberfemi back, I think it was the last time he played was in December. He's had that leg surgery, but um, again, a player that I don't think has a massive future at Southampton, but I think it would be positive to see him, you know, potentially just get some more minutes. I'm not saying in the first team, but it's just good to see him playing a bit more. And maybe, not sure about his contract yeah. situation, but he, he needs a loan out and he needs to be playing regular football so he can assess whether we've got a player on our hands or whether he needs to, he needs to be binned. But yeah, Jack, we'll catch up next week after the Liverpool game and our podcast will be back at the regularly scheduled time of Monday morning. Uh, Look forward to speaking to you then and fingers crossed it'll be after the league double over the Reds. Nice one mate, speak to you next week.